2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 8. We will read the word of the Lord, pray, review, and conclude. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus, as he had previously made in the beginning, so that he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and in knowledge, and all earnestness, and in love, we inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Father, give us that heart of the Macedonians. And Father, may we see the body of Christ in its fullness. Father, may we see the love of God poured in the hearts of your people, pour forth from your people. And Father, as Paul encouraged the Corinthians here, by the illustration of the Macedonians, Father, may we who are gathered here be encouraged the same. Father, may we understand completely and embrace completely and wholly that if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. Father, if we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. Thank you, Father. Thank you for us being alive in this country, in this state. And Father, may we never take it for granted, counting it as a blessing from the Most High God. And Father, may we utilize the time you grace us to your glory, to your praise, in your power. In Christ's name, amen. We basically have two chapters, eight and nine, and the essence of both chapters is giving. And he begins it here with the illustration of the Macedonians and how they gave and understanding that it was by God's grace that they could do it. Uh, and, and, and I think that at times, you know, we we kind of get in a pattern of, you know, well, it's the Lord's table this and, you know, by grace that and I'm doing this and we're going to do that. And I think we miss and we forget. Um, I, I have to use, use some of these guys that I saw this last week. Um, and uh, there was a, a span of guys who were saved for six months and guys who probably have been saved longer than I am old. And you could watch the word of God moving through all of them. And when I watch that and you see that and you see the response, um, you stand in awe. I mean, my, my single prayers that I had asked for is that the word of God goes before me and that the hearts are ready. And, um, and they were. They were, and it was, a, it was a wonderful time. And, and I share that because I, I thought about this. You know, here I am with this church. Um, basically, it's in New Jersey. We went into the Pocono Mountains to a retreat center is where I taught at. And um, I don't know these guys. They heard a couple of my sermons online. And, 
you know, all of a sudden these doors start opening and I'm sitting there going, well, this is kind of fun. Uh, especially knowing that I got to leave this place. But anyway, you know, uh, you know but I, I share that because I think we get complacent in our day and age that we are going through and we are doing certain things and I've accomplished this. And I think there's times that we sing Amazing Grace. Have you really thought about it? Okay, I mean, you know, I have been in my travels. I get I get a lot of reading time. It's really fun. This is a retreat center, and there's nothing in the room but you and your Bible. And I mean, there's no television. There's no radio. My cell phone had no reception, and. I, they had Wi-Fi, but the only way my phone would work is if it laid on the nightstand beside me. Okay, so you, it's a little tough to talk with your head down like this. So I was sort of incognito, but I, I spent some time reading around, and I was looking at verse 9 that we'll start into next week. And for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that through his ri- though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And old boy told me that that there is one pregnant verse. Okay, because that deals with past, now, and future. All in one verse. 21 Greek words. That's all it is. And yet it's a complete, 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 complete story of Jesus Christ. Lacks nothing. And yet we sit here today. You know, we'll get us some Emmanuel Child stars. We'll... we'll Pray for Pastor Paul, Pastor Philip, and uh, and we kind of go through the motions. And I think about here was a church, three churches basically in Macedonia, uh, in much affliction, extraordinarily deep poverty, um, urging, begging for the favor to participate in giving of the saints. You know what? I I can honestly say I have never seen that. But I know it's true because Paul wrote about the Macedonians. Because, see, they looked at it and they said, this is God's grace. They looked at it and they said, these earthly circumstances are nothing. They had already looked at it and said, I want to be overwhelmed with joy in giving and giving it all away. They were not restrained by their poverty. They were generous. Beyond. They were sacrificial. And it was voluntary. Because see, they understood that being in the kingdom of God was the single most ultimate privilege in humanity. They understood that their giving was an act of worship. They understood that it was submission to those that God had placed in authority over their spiritual eternity. And they understood that giving was part and essence of what Christian virtue is. It's all together. They understood all of that. 
They rejoiced in that. And, you know, it was according to their ability. It wasn't like this was a wealthy group of churches. They couldn't compare to the church in Corinth. Corinth was extraordinarily wealthy. They didn't have it. And yet, they were willing to take up a collection to send it to the Jewish believers who were in Jerusalem, who were under greater persecution, who were under greater poverty. And they wanted to be a part of it. But the Apostle Paul there in verse 8 says, I am not speaking this as a command. Don't you find that fascinating? That is just amazing to me when I read it, because he just gave him seven verses on the illustration of the Macedonians. But he says, I don't speak of this as a command. After all of that, he has just given them that it was free will giving, it was voluntary. And it's never according to legalism. I'm not speaking this as a command. It's not according to your obligation. It's not according to some formula. It is according to a need that has been presented. Here is the need. I'm in the process right now. Um, you guys remember Skip? That was here last two weeks ago, I guess it was. Uh, pastors down in uh, St. Croix. Uh, the island is in chaos. Uh, there was a refinery on the island. It closed down a couple of years ago. Uh, immediately, uh, 4,800 jobs were lost. Well, the island is 27 miles by 11 miles. Okay, so you basically are looking at no income. But he says, you know what? It's amazing because the, his church originally was just white man's church. He says, but with that oppression and then the loss of the income, he says, now it is multinational. That they're all coming together. But one of the things that has been approached, and I've been talking about and been praying about, I brought it up when I was back in New Jersey, is that the hospital has lost its accreditation. So if you get sick on St. Croix, you have to get an airplane ticket. And probably the closest place you're going to go is going to be Puerto Rico. So I proposed to skip. Why don't we get the churches together by the hospital, recertify it, put it back into action, and then have the islanders do all the textiles and all the linens and all the other stuff that are around there and have the islanders support it, and we actually start work producing jobs. <laughs> what? Sure, why not? And, that, you know, I talked to a handful of guys uh, up in New Jersey. I just mentioned it to you. I had mentioned it to Skip. I got a bunch of guys praying for it. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Why? There's a need. Do you know where hospitals originally came from? Church. Why wouldn't the church? You know what? Um, it is a U.S. territory. It has to be certified to get Medicaid and Medicare. But the truth of the matter is... Um, the church can take, and listen, this is not going to be a for-profit. Please understand. I'm not, let's invest in the hospitals. Okay. Um, but it would be an opportunity for the body of Christ to all of a sudden reach into a community that's really, really, really struggling. 
Okay, crime is way up um, because ain't nobody got a job. So when crime goes up and your main thing is tourism, guess what? Tourists quit coming. Produce jobs, watch the grace of God move through the people. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. We had a serious need in Jerusalem. You know, people were selling their possessions to help meet the needs of the church in Jerusalem. I mean, you got a 10,000 member church that happened within a week's time. And nobody's got a job. Yay. Not only do they not have a job, they can't go back to their homes because they can't go back to a church. There was only one church at that time. It was in Jerusalem. It wasn't like you could go to the Second Baptist Church of Rome. So they're sitting there being fed and they need to eat too. And the Macedonians stepped up. He says, I'm not commanding you. I'm not commanding you, Corinthians, to be like the Macedonians. I'm telling you, prove your love. Show the voluntary free will earnestness of others. He references it back. The earnestness of others is a reference to the Macedonians. He's comparing the Corinthian believers to the Macedonian believers. Proving through the earnestness of others. You have seen what the grace of God did in the Macedonian church. You know what they did. You know the severity of their poverty. And yet they gave sacrificially. Why would you not follow their pattern? Why would you not follow their example? Have you ever been around... uh, Radical Christians. They are a blast. But they step on your toes because you're like, I'm just not that radical. And you say, well, what's he got that I don't got? Well, he looks at it from the perspective of, I know what God has given me. And that never goes far from them. They are fun to be around. They are a hoot to be around. But they can't be scary. Why? They just give it all away. I never see anything like it. They can't keep nothing. But it keeps coming in. He's comparing them to the Macedonians, proving that their earnestness was seen. Follow their example. See, their giving verified their love. That's what the apostles trying to tell us. You look at the view of biblical giving. It is and it concludes that it is a proof of your love. Now, I want you to think about this because I've been dwelling on this for a week or so. When I think about agape love, all right, that is free will, self-denial. That's that love. I'm loving regardless. Okay? Now, I don't know about you. That's radical. 
You just don't see that. That's, it is not of our nature. It is not of our norm. It is not of our humanity. It's not in our DNA. It takes the love of God poured in your heart. And once you do that, you have that love, then it ain't about you no more. It ain't about your comfort. It ain't about what you have or don't have. All that goes out the window. It is about the needs of others. And, you know, I use this illustration in Sunday school. I'm going to use it again today. We talk about the verse where it says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. And we all sit there, you know, we all have what we think is our cross and all the rest of it. The truth of that text is, if you look at it in context, the cross is Christ. It would be that one. Three times he goes to the garden to get cinnamon. He says, I don't want this. Three times. I don't want this. Now listen, if you were saved before the foundation of the earth, that means this plan has been in works for a few years. Which also means that the Lord Jesus Christ knew there is no plan B. But three times he goes, Father, take this cup. Why? Well, he's 100% human. Crucifixion is not a day in the park. It will be painful. That's his human side. His deity side, he's about to be touched by sin. He is paying the penalty of sin. He is literally being separated from God the Father. He will endure something that none of us in this room can endure. I will never be separated from my Lord. He was. So when you look at the Garden of Gethsemane, you sit there and say, the anguish and the suffering and his prayers, great drops of blood, then it's no problem to deny myself and follow him. Because I look at the one in the middle. His crucifixion was for me. Very personal. Then you step into agape love. It's not a friendship. It's not eros. It's not phileo. It is, I am nothing and I give it all to you. Period. Non-negotiable. And you know what is really cool about it? It ain't based on response. It ain't based on response. That giving verifies your love. Think about it. Remember Zacchaeus? He gave what? Half of everything. He sold every half of what he did. He gave it to the poor. Why? Because he saw the love. He was overwhelmed by the love. He expressed the love. Listen. You can give without loving. Right? Everybody agree? Uh, do, did anybody here love to pay their taxes? Just curious. All right? Because that's required. But you cannot love without giving. If you truly love, you give. You know, um, if you have children, you know what this means. You keep giving and giving and giving for no apparent reason. No. (laughs) All right. 
what you give, that amount of your giving expresses the amount of your love. Two sides you can't get away from. Can't get away from. He used a term here, but as proving through the earnestness of others. The word proving there is dagamatsu, and it means to test something, to bring validity to it. Is your love sincere? By measuring yourself against the Macedonians, you can see the sincerity of your love. Fascinating. Don't you think it's fascinating? People don't like to hear this. Well, I give as I am led. Really? Or do you give based on your love? The earnestness of others. Do you have the earnestness of the Macedonians? Even in their poverty, they gave. They gave to a point that was uncomfortable. You go back to those Greek terms and you see that they were giving to their own detriment. We measure ourselves. Hey, you know, a person in this room who doesn't measure themselves. If you're married, you want to be more spiritual than your spouse. You don't want to be any more than that, but that's fine. I got more going me than she does. I got more going than he does. And that's the standard. Well, actually, the standard is Jesus. Because you can always compare. But, and we do that. We do that with everything we do. I'm comparing it to someone else. Well, I'm not that bad. Paul's telling the Corinthians, compare yourselves to the Macedonians. By measuring yourself against them, how do you look? Do you want the same as the Macedonians? Then follow their example. Follow their example. Prove your agape. Had a young man, or actually not a young man, he was an older guy, little Irish guy, works for Port Authority, uh, active in his church, does all kinds of stuff in his church. Okay? At the end of uh, the conference, they asked, What did you get out of this conference? And everybody had an opportunity to uh, beat me up. And uh, he's. We had been hiking together. We'd hike down to a waterfall together. Uh, anyway, he says, he says, you know what? I've been in the church as long as him. Little Irish guy. Brooklyn. You could tell. I could almost tell you the street. No. He says, I've been in the church as long as him. And how's come I don't know what he knows? He says, I always thought of myself as a spiritually mature man. He said, but I'm but an infant. That takes a lot for a little Irish man to say it in front of all of his people. But he said it. And I talked to him. I told him, I said, read, man. Well, what should I read? I would start with the Bible. And I'd probably conclude with the Bible. 
Well, any one, whichever one is easiest for you to read, read it. Well, which all of it, I would start in Genesis and roll out through Revelations and then go check out the maps. And then when I got done with it, I'd reread it and I'd keep reading it. Well, do you suggest no? Read it. You don't need a commentary. You don't need a study guide. You don't even need a study Bible. Read it. You have the author indwelling you, dude. Get after it. I've received three emails from him since <laughs> I got back what, on Monday. <laughs> this could be a long-term relationship or something here. He's got a 55 T-bird. So I think I should go often to see him. <laughs> To be encouraging to him. And it's original. You're like, whoa, dude. <laughs> With the little top that pops off. Oh, huh. <laughs> I want to ride with you the next time we go on a retreat, all right? <laughs> Prove your love, people. Prove your love. Your giving speaks more of your love than anything. Did you know that? There is no greater barometric gauge of who you are and your salvation than your giving. Paul says, Corinthians, prove it. Show its truth. Show that it's genuine. Show that it's the real thing. Show it's legit. Show that it's real. Show that it is true. The Apostle John in 1 John says, How can you say the love of God is in you if you do not love the brethren? How do you show your love for the brethren? You give. How do you say, John says, how do you say that the love of God dwells in you if you close your compassion to someone in need? First Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Since you have in obedience to truth purified your soul, For a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Because you've not been born of seed. You've been born of supernatural seed. It's amazing because I can look at this and I can say, you love the Lord? We would all say, yes. Then you love his church. And you love those who are in need. You know, when, when I read that word prove, dagamazo, I know what he's getting at. He says, put it on the fire. How does it look? How does it look? Is it sincere? We, you've had it. I know that all of you have had someone says that they really love you as they stick you in the back. I don't 
right? I love you so much that I won't stick you in the front. All right? And, and there are those people who try to persuade you, oh, I really like you. Okay? And the truth of the matter is, you know they don't. Why? What do they give you? What do they give you? It was funny. They had, um, they'd gotten me a, uh, a basket as the guest speaker that I had in my room and I could have this. And um, I bet there was 20 or 30 pounds of chocolate. And I just looked at it and says, I have nowhere near enough insulin for this trip. <laughs> There's no way I'll get to this. I mean, they had Hershey's and, uh, and they had Reese cups. I love Reese cups. But God says, no, you don't. <laughs> so I got stuck eating peanuts. And uh, just looking at the basket going, the intentions were great. But you wake up in the morning, you look over at the stand and you look there and say, wow, I could just die with my face stuck in that basket. <laughs> Perfect. But they were giving. And I mean, you could, you could watch it. They went out of their way. To make me feel welcome, to make me, um, you know, comfortable. Uh, you know, they, it, it, it was wonderful. Why? They just gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. They paid for my airplane ticket. I didn't even have to pay for my travel. I didn't get to ride in the Thunderbird, though. But anyway, I filed a complaint. It's all right. We say we love the Lord. But I know people right now who forsake the assembly together. How do you love the Lord and not the church? I don't know how you do that. Listen, I know what the alternative is. I can hang out with lost people or I can hang out in the church. I'm kind of running out of options there. All right? No. I've been around lost people. Prefer the church. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. You guys should go to Times Square. All right? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? The world is. Do you understand that the church isn't for perfect people? It's for sick people who know they're sick? I go there for the, the balm of Gilead. I go there because that's where the saints are. I go there where I can be encouraged. I go there because that's where the love is. That's where the love is. And when you're there, you will run into those who are in need. And because the love of God has been poured in our hearts, we should be as the Macedonians and give. Listen, that is evidence of your love is your giving. Is your giving. True test of love is not an emotional feeling. Please. Um, it's not. Ask the ladies who sat through my teachings 
on the role of a woman in a church out of 1 Timothy. They just kept saying, we know this, can you go faster? We know this, can you go faster? And the more that they said that, the slower I went. It's just the joy of my service. It's my love. Do you see that? Why? Because, let's be realistic, women have feelings. And they will stir that feeling and they call it love. That's not love. Let me tell you something. Love is not an emotion. It's a verb. If you go look at, what is it, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, we always want to read that when we're getting ready to get married. And it ain't got nothing to do with getting married. It's got to do with the church. And if you go through that, you will see these are all visible actions, and part of that action is giving. Is giving. True test of love is not your emotions. True test of love is not icky sentimental words. True test of love is what are you doing? What is your action? Many people are deceived. That they love because they feel something. And that's deception. Your love is not measured by what you feel. Your love is measured by your action. Your actions may disprove your own assessments. We all like to think that we are... Loving. And we will base it on, I feel it. Well, it could be heartburn. (laughs) Okay? That ain't it. What's your actions? I have been accused of not being loving. Why? Because I didn't say it. But what is my actions? That's where we get into trouble. Your love is not measured by what you're feeling. I'm telling you. It is your actions. And he said, look at the love of the Macedonians. They are giving voluntarily. They're giving sacrificially. Your actions. You know what? Your actions and or inactions prove your love. Giving is always the test of love. You go look at the word, whether it's the noun agape or agapon, the verb, either one of them is an action. It's an act of the will, and it is doing it based on something regardless of its response. The Macedonians are the model. The Macedonians show us what giving is. The Macedonians was used by the Apostle Paul to show the Corinthians what they should do. Giving is motivated by the grace of, God's grace, we sang it, amazing grace. And can it be? It's supernatural. Meaning that it is not of your nature. It's not based on a circumstance. 
It's not, it, it, it is done in absolute joy because you understand that you have been blessed and by me giving is blessing someone else. It is not hindered by our poverty. It'll be proportionate to what we have. It is key to our worship. It is foundational to our worship. It is a privilege. It is not an obligation. It is sacrificial. It may cause me pain. It is voluntary. It's not required. I mean, the Apostle Paul says there, this is not a command. It is done in submission to the leaders that God has placed over us in the body of Christ. And it is among our Christian virtues. And it is proof of our love to God, to his church, and to his people. That's a biblical view of giving people. But we still have a chapter and a half to go. So we'll get this nailed down. Understand this. The proof of your love is what you, what you give. It is seen. Love is a verb. Let's pray. Father, to your glory and praise, thank you. Thank you for our brother Paul. Thank you for the precious saints in Corinth. And thank you for the precious saints in Macedonia and in Jerusalem, even this day. Father, I pray. I pray that our love would be seen. That, Father, um, we would be overwhelmed with the privilege of this being called children of the Most High God. And, Father, in that privilege, we would sow bountifully. Help us, Lord. Help us to get our focus upon your kingdom and your righteousness. Father, help us to fall more in love with you with every breath you grace us. Father, help us fall in love with your word. Father, fall in love with your bride, your church. And fall in love with the precious saints that we will only spend eternity with. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk worthy of this precious calling. Father, we will stand in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And watch you do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. To your glory, to your praise, in Christ's name. Amen.